I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. As you know, podcast is obviously a big passion for me. We've been producing Education on Fire since December 2016. So it's always an absolute delight when I'm able to share new podcasts with people, and especially ones which are doing such fantastic things for young children. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting to Jerry Holber. He's the Emmy-nominated co-creator and showrunner of National Geographic's biggest hit series, Brain Games, and Netflix, Brainchild with Pharrell Williams. Now, Jerry and his co-producer have taken all this TV know-how and production values and put it into a hit children's podcast called Who's Smarted? It has over 3 million downloads in its first year, and it really is an audio feast. So I hope as soon as you've listened to this, you, you go in and check it out, because it is something which is, is unlike many other things that you get to hear, and so many children are just getting so inspired by what they're doing. So this is a great insight into how podcasts progress, how they get produced, and also how the current climate through the pandemic has actually enabled people to, to have that focus into podcasting and making such a difference in young people's lives. So here's my conversation with Jerry Colbert talking all about the children's hit podcast, Who Smarted? Hi, Jerry. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast podcast is obviously a big passion for me and I'm really interested to sort of understand your journey from that producer creator into the podcasting world so yeah thanks so much for being here thank you it's great to be here so tell us about who smarted and who's it for and, and where did that idea come from sure so who smarted is a uh, three times a week podcast that we produce for elementary school kids which we consider ages six through ten um, and every episode is about 15 minutes long and deals with some sort of science technology history or lifestyle topic that's interesting to the kids um, more often than not we're we're looking at curriculum that uh, is applicable around the globe for kids these age as well as lifestyle topics or people they might be interested in and we we use uh, scripted uh, humor uh, narration characters to make it really fun so what we've tried to do is is create an audio learning experience for kids that's that's very fun that's funny and that they really look forward to. Um, and then we've also uh, very pointedly tried to make it something that parents will also enjoy listening to um, because we know like parents might want to play it in the car or listen to it with their kids and then have a conversation afterwards. So um, we, we make sure there's plenty of jokes and fun in there for the adults, but it's, it's very G rated and, and very much for children. Um, so that's the podcast. That's what who smart it is. Um, how it happened is uh we, so my company, Atomic Entertainment, uh, was founded by myself and my producing partner, Adam Davis, uh, over a decade ago, uh, initially to make a, a TV series called Brain Games for National Geographic Channel. And uh, Brain Games ended up uh, going on for some seven or eight seasons and uh, became a huge hit for National Geographic. And it was a show that used... Um, really interesting and innovative ways to get people engaged with the TV show to help them learn about their own brain. And 
we then went on to make a, a series for Netflix called Brain Child that was uh, a science series for younger kids and, and families. And after that show ended, we, we had so much content that we wanted to, to teach to kids and, and get kids excited about. And we, we had such a, a great time hearing from children that about how much we'd, we'd gotten them excited about science or helped them understand topics they didn't understand before that we, we, we just thought, you know, what's the best way to keep this going? And it, the easiest thing for us to do uh, would have been to do a podcast at that point. And this is going back three or four years. But we were so busy making television and, and being a TV company that we just, you know, honestly, we never set the time aside to really think about, you know, how do you make a podcast and, and what would that be and how would it work? Um, and then, you know, fast forward to, to March 2020 and nobody was making television or doing anything. We were all obviously sitting at home and um, within a couple of weeks, we, you know, we realized, oh, this is not going to end uh, anytime soon. And maybe this is the perfect time to take all the resources we have available and create that ele elementary school education podcast we've been wanting to do. And so really, honestly, Mark, it was, it was born out of um, a bunch of creative folks uh, with a passion for getting kids excited about science and technology and history sitting around at home during the pandemic. <laughs> hey, you know, we could probably... Uh, you know, maybe we could, can we make a podcast from our closets? Probably. Yeah, I guess we can order some microphones and, you know, and so that's how Who Smarted uh, began. And that, so it, it, it first started um, airing in September of 2020. And so it's been about uh, a year and a half. And for me, it's that kind of audio immersiveness, which I love about it. You know, it's yeah. not just people talking to you about what's going on. Like you said, you know, you've got the the music, you've got the humor, you've kind of got the sort of the audiobook feel about it in, in terms of these stories going through. And I think one obviously like say that's something which um parents are gonna like and also children are gonna like, but it's that kind of that that sort of production feel of it actually being something more than I think what people will often think a podcast is, which is very sort of a bit like this one, you know, kind of someone yeah. talking to someone else, and it, it takes it into that whole different genre, really. Yeah, it does, and you know, it's it's funny we didn't like we didn't proactively think about let's make something different than a traditional talk podcast. Um, for us, it's just kind of where we live, you know, as a, as a production company, everything we do is um, education, but presented in some sort of fun and immersive way. And so honestly, it never even, we never realized it until people started saying, wow, this is really different than other podcasts. And it feels really immersive and, and produced and um, unique. And, you know, for us, we're just like, well, that's just what we do. You know, like we, when we started thinking about it, um, for us to make it fun for kids, we, we realized we wanted to create little mini worlds. So, you know, if, if it's an episode about the pyramids of Egypt, we go to Egypt and we have the soundscape of Egypt and we introduce aspects of that culture. And, you know, if we're doing an episode about um, Amelia Earhart, uh, we, we go back in time and we meet Abelia and we, we really create that world. And so that's just, you know, to some some extent, like because our background is, you know, 20 years making television shows, it's we're, we're just very good at creating those worlds. So I don't know if we'd never done those TV shows, if we could have pulled off what we're doing on, on the podcast. It's such a such a high production value um, three times a week. I, I, I doubt it. I think I think we're, we're really drawing on like decades of experience making immersive <laughs> worlds. Um, but we just we never thought of it. It wasn't 
you know, we, we never had a conversation about should it be this or that. It was just always this is what it was. And and so that's just fr- right from the jump. Even if you go back to our very first episodes, they're, they're pretty, pretty similar to what we're doing now. And I think that's it, isn't it? You sort of you start these things and you bring yourself to it. And, you know, like say with that production background and just, you know, how you imagine it in your head. I can I can see exactly how that just becomes that reality without too much thinking and, and too much more. And yeah. like I say that there's one or two shows I've heard like that, and they've always been that kind of ah, oh, this is a different experience than I think most people uh, originally think about. So yeah, I absolutely loved it. And you talk there about some of the the different um, topics that you've covered. So how how do you go about choosing those? I mean, there's some fantastic ones. Why do you never give a kangaroo a carrot and socks go missing and <laughs> pirates? And, I mean, there's a whole range of these things here. And like I say, you, they are, you do get a sense of all of those different things. But yeah, yeah, how do you sort of plump on one or the other? So, you know, initially it was um, myself and, and Adam, my, my uh, producing partner, were just like, all right, what topics are interesting to us? And what are kids, you know, we know what kids are always asking about from having been making children's uh, educational uh, entertainment for for quite a few years so you know we started with like the low-hanging fruit ones like you know gravity and, and stuff like that and then as the show um you know as we as we started to realize like maybe six months in it started to get a little bit more of an audience than we were expecting and and so there the show took on a bit of a life of its own at some point we started bringing in some of the writers from our team uh, who we've worked with for many years and at that point it it became like, what do you guys want to write about? Or what are the kids in your life asking about? If you have kids or you have nieces and nephews or, you know, your neighbor's kids, like, and so a lot of the topics really generate from listening to what children of that age group are, are curious about. And in many cases, we're, we're honing in on topics that they're studying in school that are, are you know, really coming out of STEM and helping give them a like a different lens into that topic to make it a, a more fun way in. Um, and then in a lot of cases, we're addressing topics that are just of interest to them. Like, yeah, where do the socks go? Or, you know, how does ice cream get made? Or how did the skateboard get invented? Um, that are things kids want to know about, you know, that, that they're not going to necessarily learn about in school. But then the little trick we do that they probably, kids probably aren't realizing, or maybe they are, is that anytime we take a topic like ice cream or digestion or skateboards or anything that that might not be touched on directly in school, we always end up putting in uh, relations to science or STEM topics that that they are studying. So even wrapped in our purely narrative episodes, there's always like touch points that they, kids might go, oh, you know, that's an interesting way. Like think about physics if you're talking about skateboards, you know. So the topics come from all over the place now. Uh, we're at, I think, 230 episodes. So um, it's beyond my ability to keep generating <laughs> topics. You know, at some point I'm like, uh, I don't know, like someone ask a nine-year-old, what do they want to learn about? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think for me, I, I love that. It's not even a bridge. It's actually just that sense of we're into and interested in what it is that we love and yeah. kids especially you know there's no there's no sort of i have to do this or i have to do that it's like you know i'm interested in the sound of that you know i want to know how my skateboard was invented and how it moves and all of that sort of yeah. stuff um and i think that being part of everything that you're learning rather than i'm going to school to do these things and you know schools have to do what they do and they have their curriculum and all that kind of thing but i think to be able to sort of make that a level playing field if it's just all about learning and it's all fun 
I, th I think that's such a powerful thing. And I think the, the connection that you're able to do that with the resources you're able to support teachers with as well. I, th I, th I think there's there's something incredibly connected there, like I say, because it's something you'd listen to in the car. It's something you can chat to your parents about. And, and there's sort of that sort of blended learning, not in that in the way that everyone's been talking about it in recent years, but that sort of idea of just it's all just learning all the time by sort of osmosis, which is obviously how kids learn to begin with when they're young. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's totally true. And, and, you know, we, we, uh, one unexpected, um, use that we, we didn't really contemplate is that teacher, we've heard of tons of teachers who are using, uh, who smarted, uh, in their elementary school classroom as an introduction to a topic. Right. And so we don't, we don't claim, you know, an, ep an episode that we have on, you know, uh, chemicals or on, um, you know, gold or, or anything like that. We're not trying to say we're going to teach everything there is to teach about it in 15 minutes. But what we do promise is that we will provide a fun way to get kids excited and ready to learn more. And so teachers have really hooked onto that. We see a lot of teachers using it um, in association with Google Classroom. Uh, we've heard from a lot of teachers using it in their physical classrooms as a way to get into a topic and history or science topic. And then, um, our homeschool audience is, is massive, like homeschool families love it because it's uh, it's a way for, for mom and dad to be able to, you know, take a 12 or 15 minute break, but still be getting the kids into the next topic or, or introducing a new topic. So, yeah, for us, it's it's, um, you know, I, I look, I, I was a, I loved science as a kid. Like growing up in elementary school, junior high, high school, I was always at the Museum of Science. I was always building rockets, learning about computers, all this stuff. But I never really gelled with how science was taught in school. So I actually struggled, even though I loved science, I struggled with the way that it was presented in the classroom. And it, they were all, I had good teachers. It wasn't, it wasn't the fault of the teachers or, or, or anything like that. It was just that my brain uh, is experiential and, and oriented more towards fun. And I think given the opportunity, most kids actually are that way. And so that's the whole idea behind what, what we're doing is to your point, it's like trying to make it fun first, because if a kid gets excited through, through having a fun experience of a, of a story or doing something, and then you present them with the classroom materials that you need to get through, they're going to be much more likely to be engaged because now it's like, oh, I understand how this relates to something I find fun versus just a very dry presentation that, that has become too typical. And I honestly... You know, whether it's using our podcast, other audio, other technology, I, I truly believe that the future of education will be um, blended, not in, as you said, not in the way that it's been used, but more in a let's let's bring ways to uh, create other entry points into these topics, into the classroom for kids who, who, who actually would engage if only they had a different way in than the very traditional uh, text heavy or, or, you know, very dry way that that these subjects are presented. Yeah, I really love that and full-heartedly agree. And I think the other um, fantastic thing about this is the fact that children listening to podcasts is, is an even sort of newer thing. I mean, we, we know that video is what a lot of children gravitate to and the demographics are often for podcasting um, slightly older. So from a podcast to myself, I think having these different entry points of actually what audio is and how you can get access to it, but more importantly, the fact that, like I say, you can learn and you can be entertained in so many different ways i think that kind of understanding of what's out there from a podcast and audio point of view now is is something which is of great benefit to all of us involved in podcasting 
Yeah, it's it's actually it's a good point. I mean, we so we you know we do a little bit of PR around the podcast now to, to get let people know we exist, but we're actually finding that um, we have a second challenge, which is it's not even so much that we have to tell people about who's smarted. It's that first we have to tell people that podcasts for children exist, right? It's and that and that they're fun. I mean, there's a few other ones that are that are that are a lot of fun and, and fall in the same kind of uh, genre that we're in. Um, but there's not a lot. And so there's a there's a there's a I think we're a little early, you know, still with this, I think probably five years from now, there's going to be um, not only a lot of fun podcasts for kids, but I, I believe that there'll be a whole world of audio, um, really, really curriculum aligned audio education for kids. Uh, but right now, yeah, there's still <laughs> a lot of people, even in podcasting, are like, I had no idea that there was podcasts for children. <laughs> and it's, it's, so there's, so we're doing a little educating around that as well. But once people find us and, and find some of these other great podcasts for kids, they, the kids love it. I mean, they, you know, you look at the reviews on, on our show or like uh, Wow in the World or, or some of these other, you know, some of these other shows that kids love and they are just bananas for, for it. They love it. They, it it's um, and I think partly that's because when you tell a kid a story with audio, even if you have all the effects and sound design we do without the visuals, kids have to then fill stuff in in their imaginations. And, and, and children love having their imaginations uh, energized and used. So um, I think once people sort of realize that audio for kids exists and that it's a, a great genre uh, for, for education, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. And you said they're about 15 minutes long. Why that length in particular? Is it purely the attention span? Is it just a question of getting as much information in as you want to without having to sort of skirt around too many issues? Yeah. So we picked 15 minutes um, very specifically because uh, we know that kids' attention spans can can be a little short, especially with, with new information, right? So um, we also knew that uh, parents would, would love to be able to use this in, in car rides um, or maybe, you know, going before going to bed. So we didn't want to make them too long, um, but we wanted to make them long enough that we could really cover, we, we consider covering three to five really key points of information uh, in an episode to be important. And 15 minutes just felt like the right length for that. So. And I like to say that I think the car journey is it's one of the things I say occasionally on this show is the fact that whether you're listening in the car, whether you're at the gym, whether you're walking the dog, whatever it happens to be. And like I say, that specificness of um, of, of children listening, it's going to be a car journey. It's going to yeah. be just, you know, sat like you say, well, while, while your parents are having a bit of a break or, or starting something off within a school. And I think you're right. That sort of that. um that bite time of about 15 minutes works works fantastic and i know from someone who talks a lot <laughs> that it, it could be really really difficult to get it that concise and and, yeah. and that sharp and um and, and i can imagine that i uh, say with all that information you want to do having a really good idea of those like say those three to five points and also getting all those sound effects and things in as well to make it as seamless as possible yeah it's it's a it's a challenge but our writers have gotten really good at it over the last year so i i I, I just uh, produce and, and read the scripts. I don't really write many of them anymore, and I'm glad that I don't because it's a, it is a huge challenge. And our our writers on Who Smarted are all fantastic and, and have really you know understood under they understand how to make it fun, keep the narrative flowing, and also really deliver on those those key educational promises. 
and that's key isn't it it's like say having having that understanding of the educational side of it as well as the production side and, and all of those things and and in terms of the actual sort of production side and the voicing and all that sort of stuff had is there a, a large team that is doing all of that or like say it started in covid so everyone's yeah. obviously working in their own closet as you said but <laughs> obviously that's yeah. changed as we've come out <laughs> it's funny i mean we uh you know, we're all still doing a version of working in our own class. Like we actually have a studio now that we record in, but um, so many of our, of our team ended up moving away and, and, uh, and such during COVID. So it's, it's still done pretty remotely. So uh, we are actually still, we, we've never all been in the same room recording an episode live. It's never, it's never happened. Uh, I'll, although I had uh, to- a total fantasy that that would be how it would work once COVID was, was, sort of over or we're, you know, in whatever phase we're in now, um, it has not happened, but it, it still works. And, you know, we have um, one engineer who's in Europe. We have one engineer in Brooklyn. We have pe- people writing all over the world, wherever they ended up. And um, so it's still, it's still pretty much a remote production. And I really love the fact that, um, you know, we, you ha- we have this sort of, like say educational idea and the fact that it's it's for for these children but i think sort of teachers and parents listening i think just opening up these conversations with how how the world is working now like say this came out of of a a pandemic it came out of the world looking very different very quickly but the fact that we're all working in these different conditions now the fact that we're able to kind of mix and match and i think children start to understand not obviously just the content that we're all producing but the fact that actually it's a very small step for them to be able to do it maybe not between five and ten or or maybe with a bit of help but certainly as they start to then go on into teenagers i know certainly my son had a had a go doing some podcasting and really enjoyed it and had a team of people they were being very creative with and just the fact that as a creator all these elements are they're right there for you it's just a, a very short step to sort of get immersed in it yeah no, it's, it's a really good point. I mean, we, uh, I actually think the five to 10 year olds are the perfect age for podcasting. And we, we early, I guess about a year ago, we got an email from a parent in, I think their kids were in Brooklyn, but their two kids were inspired by who smarted to start their own educational podcast. So we gave them some, some promos and shout outs on the show. Cause it was just awesome that they were doing that. And, um, my uh, my my producing partner Adam has actually spoken to some some elementary classes that that are who smarted fans who are cl- classes that are actually making their own podcasts, and we've actually talked about potentially doing some some online seminars for our audience because a lot of kids have reached out to us saying they want to do their own podcast and as you said you know it's really you know you need a good idea a microphone a little knowledge of some editing equipment to, to do at least a, you know, the most basic version of, of a podcast. And um, we, we love the idea of empowering kids to do that if we could do it. Cause, cause to, to then like experience the world, then experience thinking about how to communicate about the world, the process of editing and clarifying your, your communication. I mean, it's all so good for, for their brains and, and just the process of, of learning. So um yeah i I, i'm I'm into like any kids that want to do a podcast we 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 will give them shout outs we love it (laughs) yeah and uh, and i mean i I guess you've got the numbers of people listening which means that you're going to get a a lot of people um interacting with you as well but I, i think i think that ability to to have that connection like say to have the shout out to feel so connected and warm to want to sort of get in touch and that kind of thing that must feel fantastic it's it is you know it's it's one of the one of the things i talk about the, the huge difference between doing a podcast and, and a, the, 
what we've done mostly as a company with making television shows is that with TV shows, you get sort of, um, it's almost like a general sense of feedback. Like you, you can go and look at what people are saying online and you sort of read reviews, but you don't have a direct relationship with the audience. And, you know, we're at, I think, uh, we're close to half a million downloads a month now with Who Smarted. And so the audience is, is quite large. Yet, we have a very direct connection with our fans. They reach out to us um, on, on Facebook. We hear from, from them via email. We hear from them on Instagram. Um, we, read, we read their reviews and we'll sometimes respond to requests in the Apple podcast reviews on the podcast itself, which has become kind of a fun, like we've actually had back and forth communication with, with some of them. Um, but to have that direct relationship and hear from parents, like how the show is changing lives or how it's being used. We've heard, you know, we hear from a lot of uh, parents of, of like, uh, kids with neurodiversity who's, who've told us that this show gets their kids to focus and listen to topics they might not otherwise be able to like, um, kids, you know, parents of, of, uh, of, of young women or girls who, who weren't into science, but are now getting into it because of who smarted. Like, to me, that's like a thousand times more gratifying than reading a good review about a TV show. You know, it's just like it's such a direct impact in someone's life. And then just generally just hearing from families that they love it and you know, that they, they it's changed their car rides and stuff like that. Like it's, it is, it's very heartwarming. And um, I, I honestly, if I could spend uh, more of my day at interacting and chatting with the fans, I would, cause it's, it's just, it's just awesome. We, we love them and we love hearing from them. Like our fans are the best. We really, we really love them. Yeah, uh, I just I, you can feel the warmth coming through, and I, and I just I just think it's it's that sense of I, I just think that, that there's something there's something above and beyond, like say the learning process. It just becomes about an expansion of of enjoying life and growing into life, and and I think when you sort of have that sense of you know the world's your oyster, as it were, you know I, I I'm enjoying this content that I'm hearing. I know these guys, and I can I can send a message and they may well reply back and and that can happen in various different touch points as well and i think i just think there's something about the sense of of learning in that environment which is really really wonderful as opposed to the i'm going to school now that's my learning right. bit and now i'm at home now and, and i'm sure you can, you can you can relate to that yeah yeah like i i i think that um I had, a, I had a great time at school you know i, I had classes that i loved um I was, like i said i had some classes that i really struggled with but I, I really do believe that um, you know traditional classrooms and traditional learning is a is a huge you know it's it's so important. There there's reasons why it's been done that way for a long time, and and you know there's a lot of it that really works, um, but there's a lot of it that can be somewhat institutional and resistant to new information. And one of the things that we know now, I mean, it's, it's, it's just been proven over and over in, in research with children and adults is that there's very different ways of learning and, and you can categorize them into, you know, four or five. Some people are more, um, learn better, like the way they're using their body to do something. Some are more musical. Some people are more uh, language driven. Some are more math driven, you know, and all of these different ways that you are, your brain is sort of naturally attuned to learning. You can learn any subject through any you know, any of those ways of learning, but traditional classrooms really by default present one way of learning. And so if you're not, if you don't learn that way, you're going to be left behind, even if you would understand that material, if only it was presented, if you were given a slightly different entry point. And that's just the reality of like, you can't expect a, a teacher in a 
classroom of 30 kids to be able to do anything other than present in one way. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's unfair and unfeasible to expect them to be able to do otherwise. It's already, you know, very challenging. So we see projects like Who Smarted and some of the other technology that's coming out around education as just sort of adjuncts to the traditional classroom and the traditional learning experience or the homeschool experience where you're creating opportunities for entry points no matter how you learn. So you're, you know, if you're going to learn more from narration and fun and, and humor, well, Who's Smarter might be a great way in. If you're someone who learns more from a hands-on approach, there's other technologies and approaches that, that could be good for that. So we just see ourselves as part of a, a hopefully a, a shift in, you know, just, just ways for kids to get into topics and get, you know, get them into the, the traditional learning experience. And I think that's the key point, isn't it? Is when when children start to understand that there are very many different ways that you can do these things, then then all of a sudden it's that kind of ah, oh, I didn't quite get it here, but I can I can understand it in this way. And and I started it here because I heard this podcast, but now I can ask a question in a different way that's going to help yeah. me. And and that really that's an exciting thing. And I think that sort of gradual sort of organic change in education like you say it's happening naturally because you know if you've got if you've got teachers that are using it and you've got homeschool that are using it and you know you're sort of in the middle of there somewhere just doing what you do is a is a passionate creator and producer yeah. then then all these things are working together and i think that that's really exciting it makes me feel much more kind of up about the direction that education will go in naturally even if like you say we might want some kind of wholesale change just to, to fit more people in yeah. Well, look, you had your guest, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, talking about game gamification in education, right? And, um, you know, that's a, that's, that's a, a whole other way of, of getting kids into and excited about education. You know, we, I guess the way I would, I would look at it is I can't tell you when, where, or how any kid is going to have their aha moment about any given topic or something that they may not have been interested in. And suddenly they go, ah, now I'm interested. I don't, I don't know that that's going to be in the classroom, you know, at a science museum or, you know, walking around a mall where they see something or listening to our podcast or doing something else. But if we could be part of that, you know, if we can be part of that, just that toolbox of, of, of education and excitement and inspiration and, and all that, then, then that's for us, that's a, a win, you know, that's a success. And the great thing about podcasts is that they're free. It, it's that, like I say, it's that easy touch point. It's that kind of all this, all this information is available. Um, and talk us a little bit about some of the extra things that you've got on going around it, like camps and, and that kind of yeah, thing. Because I think, sure. I think those sort of sort of natural progressions where people want to deep dive a little bit more, having got that excitement and that feel for for what they've been listening to, I think is really exciting. Yeah. Thanks. No, it's um, it's interesting. So we, you know, like. Every project we've done as a company, whether it's for Netflix or Nat Geo or Discovery, you know, there's always been, you know, you had to have a cable subscription or you had to have a Netflix subscription and um, to get access to whatever we created. And so when we started doing Who Smarted, a lot of folks said, well, you should put it behind a paywall and make it a subscription and, and all of that. And we just really adamantly resisted that idea. We, we just very definitively decided early on that the podcast would always be free and available to anybody with an internet connection. We did not want ever someone having a financial barrier to enjoying this podcast. Um, 
now that it's now that it's gone on and taken on a life of its own, there are, you know, there are expenses that we hadn't anticipated. Now we have, a, you know, a staff making all that. So, so rather than start to charge for the podcast or offer some sort of, you know, something that would create sort of classes of listeners, so to speak, we started um, offering what we call Smarty Camps, which are uh, full-on video immersive experiences, totally different than the podcast, same DNA of the fun and humor, but they're like very long, uh, deep dives into topics. So we did a space camp that is uh, three hours, and in, in one episode, uh, it's an hour long, the kids get to go camping on Mars and learn what it would take to, to have a camping trip on Mars. And another one, they go all over the solar system and learn all about the planets and the sun. And in the third one, they visit the night sky and they actually meet the moon and they, they learn about how to navigate with the night with the North Star and or the Southern Cross. And so um, for kids who are interested in space, it offers this, this opportunity to have the same fun learning experience that we do on Who Smarted on the podcast, but to do it with, with full-on scripted video and special effects and actors. And we still have that same kind of interactive element we do on the podcast where we ask them questions. We get them to lean in. We get them to engage. We have activities that they do outside the, the actual camp. They make a sundial and stuff like that. And we're actually about to launch one called Sea Camp. That is three hour-long episodes all about the sea. Uh, where they visit the Mariana Trench and they get to learn about how the oceans were formed. They meet all kinds of marine life. And so the, the response to these has been incredible. And, and the great thing for us is it's a way to support the podcast. Um, and it's a way to, to do that while still creating even more impactful education opportunities and fun opportunities for kids and families. Um, so for us, this, the Smarty Camps uh, being built off, off of Who Smarted is um, not only is it a, a great revenue uh, opportunity for us and a fun and educational opportunity for the kids and parents? We actually would like to build it out to where it's a, a full, just a library of, of videos that, that can be used at home. They could be used in a classroom, you know, wherever, wherever anyone would want to use them. So our goal is to create a huge video library of immersive interactive uh, camps that, that all, you know, support education and, and are still lots of fun. And I love the fact that you said these things have got the DNA of, of what it was that you started yeah. with. And I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Things can change and morph. And, you know, as a creator and as a creative person, you know, we've talked about sort of the, the TV side into the podcasting and how that happened because of situations and the opportunities. But I, th I think just the it's great to hear that sort of the ability to morph like you say many people don't realize that the you know, podcasts are free because it's just you chatting and all that sort of stuff <laughs> but right. th th there's a lot that goes into it both there in terms is. of time time and money and, and especially when you got to the production that, that you guys have got um and but i just love that sense of, of like say that there's something just running a dna running through all of these things and then um growth and expansion gets exciting and must be for you but yeah. but especially for the people that want to come on those journeys like i say if you if it gets to the point where you've got a whole library of these things and people could literally learn everything they need to learn almost just from that one touch point of suddenly coming across the podcast yeah yeah that's exactly right and you know i mean we're we're very mindful also to keep the quality uh high we need to go slowly right because we just want to make sure that we are we we know how to create really premium education we also want to make sure we're creating it in a way that really works for the parents and kids so that's why we've started slow um once we figure out exactly kind of the right the right template is which i think will 
we'll have sorted the next few months, um, then we will start producing more camps more regularly. Um, but you know, even even with our kind of alpha beta rollout of these, the response has been <laughs> just wild. I mean, kids, we had you know hundreds and hundreds of kids come to the space camp uh, last fall, and it was just you know they were. At the end of it, they were just like, when's the next one? When is dinosaur camp? We want to go to Greek camp. We want to go to sea camp. You know, it was just like they were just so excited to do more. Um, so, yeah, we we really are just trying to, you know, go go slow, make sure that we always stay true to the DNA of, of the podcast and what we want to do. Um, and we're just having a, a great time doing it. I mean, that's the other thing is we, we want to we always want to we know that if we're having fun making it, that comes through for the kids and the parents. So. Um, we have to keep having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you yeah. mentioned before that, you know, within your school experience, you know, that there, there's a way of learning that kind of works for you and it doesn't work for you. And and teachers might be the best teachers in the world, but some kind of speak to you in a certain way. But is, is there an experience that you do remember that you think, yeah, that, that really kind of got me thinking or, or got me interested? Mm-hmm. And, and, and how did that kind of work through into what you sort of developed in terms of, of how you're now a creator? I think there was a, a teacher um, named Mr. Mr. Warren, who was my English teacher in eleventh uh, grade, and you know up to that point, I'd had I'd actually had terrific terrific English teachers, but they were all pretty standard in terms of you know what we were reading, and but they they had all been very thoughtful and and you know really good teachers, but he did something that was absolutely like I was like, is this even allowed? What's happening? Like he brought in the Beatles uh, White Album on the first day of class and said, we're going to spend the first month of, of class uh, listening to this album and, and breaking it down and, and thinking about how it's constructed uh, from narrative points of view, music, poet, poetry, uh, all of this. And it was like, I, literally, like, literally, I remember the first day I was like, why is this like, are we getting in trouble for listening to this? And like, you know, you felt we were all like, is this, is this okay? And then once we got into it, it was like, wow, okay. So we're using this album that, you know, I knew obviously a lot of the, the songs from it. I didn't know the whole album. And um, a lot of kids in our, in our class, you know, were, were familiar with, you know, some or all of it. And just using a pop, a, a, a pop culture reference as a way into talking about the things that had to be discussed in class as part of the, the underlying curriculum was so eye-opening for me, like that you could you could take the same structure of all the, the things that you had to check the box of for the state of Florida to say the kids learned X, Y, and Z, but that you could wrap whatever you wanted around that as the container. And in this case, this, you know, this pop piece of pop music, this whole incredible album uh, was just revelatory and actually really made me fall in love with thinking about music in that way, but also really reinvigorated my love for, for thinking about uh, rhyming and, and writing and narrative structure. So that was, you know, Mr. Warren's English class in 11th grade and Miami Palmetto senior high was, was very, very impactful. I can just imagine there's a whole load. Of, I mean, here in the UK, we're just finishing the summer term, but I can just see all these people just suddenly looking around and, what albums can I start with in September? <laughs> How can I get this going? And mm. um, and and I think, like I say, that there, there's that there's the buy-in, isn't there, to begin with? It's that kind of oh right, this is different. I'm, I've yeah. got my attention here, and then mm-hmm. when that's when when you can see the the structure, when you can see the pathway, when you can see the relevance, and then like you say, as the adult, as the educator, as the person who has that kind of overview of what we're trying to do, being able to bring all of those references in, 
I, I can see so clearly now in terms of what you were saying about the podcast, you know, it's like, this is what we want to cover. This is how we want to do it. But here's how I can see this as someone who you can sort of produce it and understand the framework that would like how to set that DNA going. It's interesting how these things often kind of really do taper back all the way to something which, like you say, happens a long time ago, but has that sort of direct links in many ways. Mm-hmm. For sure. Is there a piece of advice that you would... Um, that you've been given that, that, that you'd like to share? Or was there a piece of advice that sort of you think that young Jerry would really have, uh, maybe not have appreciated, but would have been beneficial sort of now looking back? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I got a piece of advice. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you two. So one, uh, in my, my, one of my first jobs um, uh, coming out of uh, NYU, I was I was working for a Broadway producer, and um, she was kind of a legendary agent and, and producer. And uh, she, at, at one point, you know, she she called me into her office to tell me something, and I walked in, and she started telling me whatever it was she needed me to do. And she stopped, and she goes, "What are you writing this on?" I said, "No, I'll, I'll remember." She goes, "If you ever come in my office without a pen and a pad of paper again." I will send you down the stair. You will be out out of a job, basically. And and I realized at that moment, like, you know, I had, you know, although I had taken notes in school, I no one had ever really taught me the art of, like, taking notes in, in real life. And um, it actually, as simple as that sounds, it was actually very profound <laughs> game changing for me because I actually now always carry a pen and a paper everywhere. And so whenever I have a thought, an idea or something I need to remember to do or something that I want to research, I write it down or now sometimes just put it in my phone. But uh, that practice has led to so many um, serendipitous connections between things just by, by making sure to write something down and not forgetting it. Um, in terms of sort of production advice, I, I was, um, gosh, just going back a, a few years, but I was making my first film and I'd been put in touch with a, a producer because I had some questions about raising the money and the whole structure of getting to, to actually producing the film. And I asked her like 15 or 20 questions on this call. And finally she says, listen, you need to stop asking questions. You need to stop worrying about all this stuff. And you need to just go make your movie, right? Just stop. She goes, you, 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 you know what you need to do. You need to get a, you need to get a little bit of money and then you need to go make the movie. All of these questions, you're, you're creating all of these obstacles for yourself, right? You're, you're throwing up, well, what if I don't do this? And what if I need to do that? Just stop, stop, go get, as much money as you can. You're probably not going to get as much as you think you need. Get as much money as you can and then make whatever movie you can make for that m- much money, but stop throwing obstacles in front of your yourself. And it was a really interesting like kind of like water across the face moment because I was like, oh yeah, I, I, I was. I was screaming like we had to have this much money. It had to be raised this way, this timeline. Da, da. And, and her point was get out and produce, right? Don't, don't get hung up on all the minutia. Now, Granted, with commercial projects now, there are some minutia you do have to get on. You know, you have to have contracts in place and such. But, but like with podcasting, I mean, you probably have this experience. At some point, you know, at some point it's like, okay, you know, we just got to book the guest and and get on Squadcast and, and make the show and then edit it, right? But there's a million things you could come up with to do between those steps, right? You could come up with, well, I got to come up with a list of a hundred different potential guests and I need to get on this app and advertise this way and do this. But like in the end, you just need to like produce, right? And so, and hit publish. So that 
that has been a great piece of advice that I've it's really stuck with me. It's just like recognizing when I'm creating obstacles versus actually just getting to the point of doing the work. I'm just wishing maybe that I'd had that conversation with somebody because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely me. That I mean, that kind of like I say, you want to see the whole pathway, you want to see all the steps, yeah. you want to do all those things, have all those things in place, and you're absolutely right because I mean the podcast a classic example you know you would never start until you realized i just need to record something and i yeah. need to put it out there and um and you only have to go back and listen to some of the early ones and i think who was that guy trying yeah. to talk like that and um yeah. but that's it start do it get it going and, and that's one of the reasons i really like your idea of the supporting children to to do podcasting it's just that kind of all they want to do is talk they want to share the things yeah. that they're interested in they want to communicate podcasting is a way to do that and i think it's it's an exciting prospect that because then once you get over that barrier especially if you start young enough and you don't have all those like i say those minutiae in the way to stop you from being creative i think the more we can support that that's a yeah. that's a creator's dream really there was some interesting research that i, I just saw um there was a, a team at um, mcmaster's university in canada looked at um they have just an enormous amount of population uh, data on on K through 12 students over the last 20 years. And they looked at um, self-reported or teacher-reported anxiety levels in kindergartners. And they uh, looked at if, you know, if a child was reported to be high anxiety in kindergarten, what impact did that have on their education uh, over the course of the, the, the later years? And they found that um, it was uh, responsible, like anxiety, the 3% of kids who were anxious in kindergarten um, were like much more likely to drop out of high school. They were much more likely to have behavioral problems later. They were, their, their uh, grades were much lower. And, you know, one of the things they said can help with anxiety, even with children that age, is teaching them how to communicate, right? Teaching these, these little kids how to talk about their feelings, talk about what's going on, because often that anxiety comes from they're experiencing some sort of stress at home or in the classroom, and they literally don't know how to communicate it. And so whether it's teaching them how to do a podcast or, or any, anything, you know, where they have to learn how to communicate their feelings and articulate their feelings in a way that other people understand is not only good for their education, but like it actually is good for their emotional health. It's good for their academic health. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, you know, any, any, anyone who wants to put a mic in front of kids and, and have them learn how to tell their stories, like, yes, let's do it. You know, let's, let's get them talking. It's, it's so, it's so healthy and so helpful. Yeah. And I love that idea of telling stories because that's the thing is, it's the one thing we all have is a story and, and it, you know, that I need to come up with something. You don't, if you can tell your story or you can talk about it or you can write it down, like I say, whatever the medium happens to be, it just kind of gets that, that ball rolling and then it can snowball from there on in, in terms of like I say, whatever, whatever it eventually looks like. And that's the yeah. great thing about not having it has to look like this at the end, which is a, an exciting prospect hard for us as we get older, I think but certainly <laughs> something children sort of relish as it were yeah now there's often a resource which is something which is important to each of us and i'm always interested to know and it could be anything from a podcast a book a video film song but something which has had an impact on you in whichever way you think is important oh that's that's funny um that's such a shifting a shifting target for me <laughs> like it kind of depends on what i'm what i'm doing at any given time but um 
first I thing do, that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, first thing that comes to mind is um, I have a little, I'm looking at my little shelf of books. I have like a shelf of books that I, I always sort of go back to. Um, there's uh, there's one I'm looking at that I love called uh, uh, Math with Bad Drawings. That is a fantastic book about math and, and for people who aren't great with math. Um, and I always look at that one for inspiration on how to communicate difficult topics in a way that's fun. Um, and another one I look at a lot is, uh, well, this is probably not for who smarted, but um, oh, there's a book called Psych Experiments that we use a lot for, for some of the other projects we do where we're thinking about, you know, inspiration for um, social experiments and, and psychology experiments. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, honestly, I'm a big wanderer of the internet. Like I will, I will just go down a rabbit hole of a topic, you know, if I'm trying to learn something and, um, but there's always, you know, those are a couple of, of resources I go back to. Um, I don't know, like, is there one that you, that you particularly, uh, are keen on? Well, I, I find it interesting because like you, I, I kind of waver and it might literally just be a song which has mm-hmm. something which, um, which has a big um, a feeling about it. Like, um, you know, um, New York, New York is one of mine just purely because, it's where I went on my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New York is a fantastic city. You know, it, like I say, it's it's where you where you're having this conversation from right now, um, and it just it just sends me into an emotional state and uh, and and a sense of of everything. You know, happy times, family, weddings. You know that that whole kind of thing. So sometimes it's it's kind of the relationship between these things as well as as well as anything else. Um, certainly, things like um, the um, um, Ken Robinson, um, just just sometimes you just think there was a moment there where my my mind shifted in terms of what's possible and, and yeah. how you can connect with people and, and like I say that storytelling idea um, and I, so I just like to say it, it can be that shifting thing depending on any given time and any given moment and whether it's a learning in thing or it's a feeling thing and I think that's a, that's the really exciting thing about um, having these conversations because there's there's no sort of hard and fast rule about what's impactful and sometimes it's learning and, and sometimes it's emotional. I, yeah I, I my I would say for me my my version of New York New York is the theme song from Never Ending Story that movie, the movie from the eighties. Um, I, I will, if I need to get in the mood to like, uh, do narration for the podcast or like get my, my brain going on kid stuff for some reason, because I saw that as a child and it's a very imaginative film and the song's kind of incredible. I go, I go to the never ending story theme, theme song and blast it in the office and that gets yeah. me going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's why, it's why, it's why the arts are so important. How, like say, however you come to them and however you kind yeah. of, however you, you react and, and that kind of thing. And um, and as as we finish off, fire as in feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment is something which we kind of focus on and kind of have in the back of our mind with all the things that we're we're doing and talking about and creating. And I'm always curious, what's the one thing out of that which kind of strikes you as being important, or something which you've got a little story around that you think um, is is a is a powerful share. Um. So it's five. Give me the five. So feedback, five. inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. Empowerment for me. I mean, I think those are all incredibly important. But for me, um, empowerment is the one that I lean into most in terms of what we try and accomplish with our projects. Um, I think it's especially with with the amount of media that kids and adults are saturated with now. It's it's easy to feel like 
everybody else is is better at you than 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 almost anything you know and <laughs> or 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 the best at something and you know growing up we i i wasn't exposed to that i didn't have social media when i was a kid so i didn't i wasn't comparing myself to the best of the best of, at anything in the world i was just trying to do the best i could and even then i felt like i could have used some empowerment around uh you know just my own self-direction in, in education and so what the reason empowerment really resonates for me is like, I really want to empower kids to feel that they can be self-directed in their learning. I want to empower, especially kids who don't see themselves represented in certain fields, like, like, um, a, a lot of minority children in America and, and young women don't see themselves represented in science when they turn on television or, or go to a movie. So we really want to empower those kids to understand there are pathways for them in these fields where they might not see themselves represented. And I want to empower all kids to feel that when they're curious about something, they should explore it, right? There should be no, there should be no shame in exploration of, of any topic. They should be excited to learn more about the world and, um, and do it you know, obviously in a respectful manner, but that is, that is a huge empowering children to, to feel self-directed and, and excited about all kinds of pathways and learning is, is huge for us. Um, I think you have your, your slogan I heard a couple of times was like, um, which I loved, I, I meant to write it down because I liked it so much, was uh, education is is not a bucket, it's a it's a spark to a fire. What, what is it exactly? Uh, education is not the filling of a pell, but the lighting of a fire. That's, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and that, that to me is, that's empowerment, right? I mean, that's like, I mean, it's lots of things, but that's what I think of when I think of empowerment is like sparking that, that fire and, and really, you know, saying you can be responsible for learning and experiencing and, and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and and one thing I just want to finish with is you, you talked about that going down a rabbit hole. And of course, as adults, there's many rabbit holes we can go down in many different ways. But I think certainly um, from an education point of view and from a child point of view, having these touch points with really great content and great educators and places that we know that are safe um, and that you can then go down a really positive rabbit hole um, I think is really important. And, and I think that really is sort of who smarted kind of it's those sorts of things, which just gets me excited that it's a safe environment, but it's incredibly high quality. Um, but it's a rabbit hole. I'd want my child to go down to it and, <laughs> and to start to immerse um, e even more. So, um, so, so tell people where, where they can find out more, more about it. Obviously I know it's going to be on every pub platform, but uh, yeah. But... Uh, well, you can listen to who smarted on, on literally any podcast platform, but if you want to learn more about it or get a link, it's who smarted.com whosmarted.com and everything is there along with our our uh, deeper dive smarty camps can be accessed from there as well fantastic jerry thank you so much it's been an actually privilege to, to chat to you and i just get excited when i, I get to, to hear hear the people and see the people behind some of these amazing creations and and the more that i can share these stories and people out there who are still trying to find the album they want to share to their kids ready in september i think it's a great <laughs> thing so yeah thanks so much for being here thank you thank you it was a pleasure thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes i've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, 
but the lighting of a fire. <laughs>